Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Details, supermarkets are under scrutiny. Today, the government has taken action to ensure Kiwis are paying a fair price at the checkout for their groceries. The Commerce Commission is carrying out an inquiry into prices and lack of competition. But will anything change when the investigation is finished in a year? Oh, they'll spot something. I mean, distribution, wholesaling, some towns with not enough shops, too many cameo creams in small markets. There's got to be something, otherwise it would look like they're wasting their time, which of course they are. Like petrol, supermarkets are a multifaceted, highly complex series of operations that vary on a daily basis across so many aspects it makes your head spin. Or are they just too powerful? We do have a heavy concentration amongst um, a couple of big players and that, in our mind, is good cause for us to, to look at whether or not New Zealand is being treated fairly. Lots has been said about the high prices and the dodgy behaviour of some store owners screwing down suppliers. I'm saying that we have many food and grocery manufacturers who have either gone out of business or had to shut down or move their product offshore for development because you just can't make a normal profit. That's the head of the Food and Grocery Council, Catherine Rich, talking to Lisa Owen on RNZ's Checkpoint. The supermarket owners won't talk except to say that the market is intensely competitive and they want to put shoppers first. But what about the suppliers? Well, we really wanted to make a podcast about their experience. How do they get a product onto the shelf? How are they treated by the supermarkets? How does the power imbalance affect them? How did we get on with that? Well, here's our producer, Alexia Russell. Well, we tried. We had an interview lined up with Pix. You know, they're the peanut butter producers from Nelson. They've carved out quite a niche. They kind of ghosted on us. So I went to New World to have a look at what sort of Kiwi cool products had made it onto the shelves. Um, You know, there's a lot of things from craft beer, artisan cheeses, freeze-dried fruit. Then our associate producer, Jesse Chang, tried to contact a bunch of them, but they were either too busy producing food or they couldn't or wouldn't talk. And here's what Rich says about that. If you ever try and get a grocery supplier to come on your show to discuss things, you won't find anybody who's prepared to speak because the fear of retribution is very, very genuine. Well, Consumer NZ has seen the shoppers' complaints, it's done the surveys comparing prices and it's heard the talk of badly behaving operators. Its chief executive, John Duffy, says it's time for an inquiry. Certainly Labour, National and the Greens all campaigned on this during the election and were all in favour of a, of a market study. I think the Commerce Commission's got some capacity now that the fuel study's over and done with. And obviously this has been seen as the next highest priority after fuel and before building costs. So that's the next one. Okay. So do you think the scope of this investigation by uh, ComCom, is it asking the right questions? Yeah, the terms of reference look pretty good. They're general enough to be able to fit a fair few issues in there. I mean, the danger with drafting uh, terms of reference too broadly is that you never finish the investigation, right? Mm. If you're you're going (laughs) to do everything thoroughly, um, you'll never get it done. And a year, I think, on these terms of reference, a year is is still a pretty tight turnaround for ComCom. They're going to have to work pretty quickly, and my understanding is they're already getting underway. So they're fundamentally looking at the underlying competition issues. The Commerce Commission will take a deep dive into the grocery market over the next year, investigating everything from pricing practices through to the true extent of competition. The impact those issues have on price, 
So ultimately we'll get an answer to the question whether we're paying too much for our groceries. Okay, so based on the surveys that you have done, do you believe that shoppers are being fleeced at the checkout? The short answer is yes, but it's much more complex than just saying we're paying too much. There's a whole lot of behaviour that we see in the supermarket sector that is indicative of markets where there's low competition. So it's not just that fruit and veggies are really expensive, for example. It's also that the supermarkets can get away with quite shady discounting practices. Um, The way they represent goods are, either on special or not on special, is quite confusing. It's really difficult as a consumer to navigate sometimes. Do I need my loyalty card to get this discount? Is Is this available to everybody? Don't forget to add your one card so you can get club prices and keep earning rewards on your online shopping. If you don't have a one card, you can pick one up in store and add it to your account later. Adding your one card also shows you all the things you usually buy in store so you can shop faster. Is this actually on special or is everyday low price? Does that does that mean it's on special or does that just mean it's cheap? We also have some concerns around what supermarkets are doing with people's data. So it is impossible now to go to a mainstream supermarket in New Zealand and get general discounted prices without signing up to a loyalty scheme and forking over all of your data for the supermarket to use just to access goods at at discounted prices. The concern is, anyway, that it's creating a two-tier system for those people who care about their privacy and don't want all of their intimate shopping records used for commercial purposes by the supermarket don't get cheap or cheaper groceries. Those that are less concerned by that can access those discounts. We, we don't think that's necessarily fair and that discounts should be available more widely. And to be fair, some are. There are some discounts that you can get without having what, like a club card at New World or a, or a one card at, at Countdown but the bulk of discounts are connected to those loyalty schemes. And so that's what you mean by when you when you talk about shady discounting practices, that's one of the areas, the loyalty. That's one of the areas, and, yeah. and also how those discounts are described, and also how long goods are on special for, that's another thing. So, you know, we do, you mentioned the price survey that we do. We monitor a basket of goods across a period of time, and we see that, that goods stay at the discounted price for, you know, extended periods of time. At one supermarket, Vogel's, Plowman's Bakery and Nature's Fresh Loaves were on special 11 out of 12 weeks. At another, Nature's Fresh Bread had an extra low price of 2.99 for all 12 weeks. We call this the Briscoe's effect, you know. The goods are always on special and you get to a point where you have to stop and go, well, hold on, you keep claiming that this is 10% off but it's been 10% off for so long, actually isn't 10% off now just the normal selling price? And should you be representing that that's discounted at all? So when when does the special just become the regular price? Well, that yeah, that's, that's a legal question under the Fair Trading Act, and it's different for different types of goods. So the case law on this suggests that fast-moving consumer goods should stay on special for shorter periods of time because because they're moving more quickly, whereas it's it's okay to discount, I don't know, fridges or, you know, slower-moving goods for longer periods of time because, you know, the rate of sale is slower. Do you understand how the supermarkets price their products 
and when they do introduce specials. Do you Have you looked into that at all? Well, it's a bit murky. This is one of the reasons why it's going to be great to have the Commission able to use its powers to compel the supermarkets to open up about this stuff because a lot of it is commercially sensitive interactions between suppliers and supermarkets. And, you know, supermarkets control the real estate. They control the, sh- the shelves. They control who's displayed uh, at what level on the shelf. And they control the frequency of discounting. So... It's all, as I understand it, it's all carefully thought out. It's a highly curated experience that you go through when you're in the supermarket. Things as simple as as supermarket layout and design through to what goods you see at eye level, how frequently certain items are put on special. This is all tightly controlled. So suppliers don't necessarily control the discount. The supermarket may well dictate what that discount needs to be. And if the supplier says, well, I can't make a profit at that level, well, that supplier potentially doesn't get into the supermarket. At the store level, we do have some buyers and some store owners who clearly never got the memo. It's Catherine Rich from the Food and Grocery Council had quite a bit to say about it when the story of, of the investigation by the Commerce Commission came through and it was pretty revealing what she was saying about the tactics of the supermarkets. And just make demands which uh, are well beyond robust negotiation but of course no one can complain for fear of being deleted. But can I just talk to you a bit more about as a shopper what happens because what is interesting is that supermarkets make it to the top 10 of, of the Commerce Commission's most complained about traders. So who's doing the complaining? Is it shoppers? Yeah, it's, 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 it's us as consumers. So most people will have experienced an occasion where they've got to the till and what gets rung up on the till is different to what they saw or what they thought they saw on the shelf. It happens online now as well. You get you know you check your bill after you've paid and you go, actually, oh, that was 50 cents cheaper when I looked at it as I was going through filling up the trolley. That's a really common area of complaint. And recently, Pack and Save in Mangare was convicted in the district court. Has been fined $78,000 for charging consumers more than the promotional prices on six occasions. Sliced salmon, mushrooms and avocados, all found to have been sold for more than what customers at Mangere Pack and Save had bargained for. On six occasions in 2018, the Pack and Save in Mangere charged a higher price at the checkout than what was displayed in store. The issue was raised with the supermarket after the Commerce Commission sent mystery shoppers in. Pack and Save pled guilty and in the sentencing submissions they, they submitted that because they are such a large complicated business... Errors of this nature are just an inherent fact of doing business at that scale. And the judge was pretty blunt in rejecting that argument, saying, you know, consumers have a right to expect that businesses get this right. In a decision that's been voiced, Judge McNaughton described the conduct as careless. The pricing discrepancies related to a number of individual items across different departments of the supermarket, and they were repeated. What made it worse was... The Commerce Commission then called Pack and Save Mangare's attention to this and said, hey, you've got your pricing wrong, then went back a couple of days later and checked, and they hadn't done anything about it. The defendant did not immediately take steps to correct its pricing system. And I think that's what the trigger for the prosecution was. That certainly is an aggravating factor when the regulator comes along and says, hey, your house isn't in order and you don't clean up. 
you can expect probably to get more than a slap with a wet bus ticket. So, Alexia, let's check out some numbers. Well, your supermarkets were the big winners in the latest retail stats. So total supermarket sales in the year to September, nearly $23 billion. And that's just across those two companies, Progressive and Foodstuffs. Foodstuffs, New Zealand-owned, runs New World Pack and Save and Foursquare. Australian-owned Progressive has Countdown, and it's the franchisor of Fresh Choice and Super Value. Household supermarket spending averages more than $8,600 a year, excluding alcohol and cigarettes. And a funny bit of trivia for you, Sharon. During Level 4 lockdown, customers across Foodstuffs North Island bought enough pre-cooked sausages to reach from Auckland to New Plymouth, enough toilet paper to wrap around the world 22 times, and flour weighing as much as 540 African elephants. Ha! So what this tells me is that the supermarkets have a lot of power. Certainly suppliers probably feel that way. Getting a supermarket contract can be make or break for a supplier. So if you're in an, in an industry where you can only supply to one of two buyers and you know they do hold all the cards, you're probably willing to drop your margins pretty low, pretty close to break-even point to get through the door. And, you know, the supermarkets will argue, well, that's great for consumers because it drops the price of goods. And in some cases, yep, that's that's a fair comment. But actually where it pushes suppliers out of business, well, that's actually bad for consumers because it reduces choice. And you may walk into a supermarket and look at, I don't know, the crackers and go, hey, there's heaps of different brands here. But what you've got to keep in mind is quite a few of those brands are now supermarket home brands so they're actually owned by the supermarkets so not only are the supermarkets acquiring products off suppliers they're actually competing directly against them and they control the real estate they control where their competitors are are positioned on the shelf so they can if they're not happy with you they can not let you in the front door in the first place or they can put you right at the bottom out of the customer's eye line so you're effectively forgotten about and promote their own goods interesting that Catherine rich said that some of the operators are rogues and she's calling for a code of conduct of the industry. Do you think that that would make sense? Would that solve some of these problems? It could. It, it certainly changed things in Australia. From my perspective, we represent consumers, but as I said before, if suppliers can't make ends meet and they drop out of the market, well, that reduces consumer choice. So we have a strong interest in making sure there's a buoyant supply market as as well as um, increased competition in the supermarket sector. I just don't feel like there is much choice. You know, when you go into these big supermarkets, the shelves are full, but it still doesn't feel like you're getting much choice. It feels like you're seeing the same brand at whatever supermarket you go to. Well, that's probably indicative of the fact that, you know, I don't know this for sure, but I assume, you know, across the foodstuffs brands, they will, or they will buy at a group level. So whether you go to a pack and save a new world or a four square, they're being supplied by the, the same group that are buying at a bulk level. Similarly, every countdown you go into would, would be supplied by the group. So that possibly um, explains that. In a market structure where there are two main supermarket teams, if you get kicked off the shelf, you can lose anywhere between 45% and 55% of your sales. And for some New Zealand companies, that is the difference between surviving or shutting down their factories. Is the duopoly the big problem? It is one of the things I'm very interested to see the Commerce Commission's findings on. 
So back in the early 2000s, I think it was, we had a number of different players in the supermarket sector, but slowly they all got gobbled up by these two players that we have left. And, you know, that's not uncommon in New Zealand, where, you know, there's incremental acquisitions that in their own right aren't particularly problematic from a competition perspective. But once you add them all up, you get to a point where you've got these highly concentrated markets. We're one step away from a monopoly Mm. um, in the supermarket sector. Yeah, definitely the lack of competition is, is a problem. And it could be the cause of many of these other things that we're worried about. But we need we need a really deep look into this to be able to draw that thread um, conclusively. Right, and the trouble is, how easy it, would it be for a third player to come into the market? It is pointed out that New Zealand is unique and it's at the bottom of the world. It's got a relatively small population and transport costs add to the price of a, of a product on the supermarket shelf. Yeah, Um, So those are all factors, but it it doesn't negate the fact that the barriers to entry are high because of the conduct of the supermarkets as well. So, you know, we understand that um, there's an activity called land banking going on. I don't have any direct evidence. This This is anecdotal, and this is, again, something that the market study can sniff around and, and see if they can find out. But, you know, if the incumbent supermarkets are buying up land and leaving it empty so that a competitor can't buy it and set up shop, that is a red flag from a competition perspective. If that study finds anti-competitive behaviour, can you guarantee that prices will come down? We do have levers. You know, the Commerce Commission, we've given them extra powers to really go in and properly investigate behaviours. We did it uh, with fuel. Now we're doing it with our supermarkets, and we will act on what they find. There are ways that we can ensure that consumers are in a competitive environment and that they're getting best bang for buck. You'll guarantee that prices will come down? I'll, I'll guarantee that we'll act on what the Commerce Commission presents, but let's let them go and do the job, use the powers they have to fully investigate what's going on. How confident are you, John, that that there will be a change, that this will lead to price reductions? Well, I guess the first question is the competition issues that we can see causing higher prices. Once we've established that, then we can go, right, well, what? how do we fix this? What, what can we do? Well, a code of conduct that forces supermarkets not to force suppliers to go below a minimum margin, is that a good idea? Is that pro-competition. You know, there's a lot of complexity here that needs to be worked through. We really need this study to set up a baseline so that we've there's one version of the truth and then we can have a good debate about what the best ways to deal with the problems are. Do you think it was successful with, with fuel prices? I think the jury's still out on that. So there's still a few of the outcomes that are working their way through the system. I think the, the Commission did a good um, job of highlighting the issues in the sector and proposing some recommendations, it's now back on the government to act on those and and um, implement solutions. So in terms of the market study powers themselves, I'm sure the Commission learnt from that um, exercise and will be better and more efficient with the second round. But all in all, for a first go, I thought they did pretty well.
That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. This episode was engineered by Rangi Poek and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to John Duffy. Kia pai tora.